0: Edify means to enlighten, encourage, and uplift individuals intellectually, morally, and spiritually. That's exactly what our Edify podcast guests do, as they share practical wisdom on living our faith in public. I'm Mary Fiorito, thank you for joining us today. Welcome to the Edify podcast. Our guest today is Rachel Kalacki, founder and executive director of Magdalene Ministries, where she accompanies women on their journey towards healing from sexual addiction. She has also recently begun pursuing certification to be a sexual addiction therapy practitioner. Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Pleasure that you could be here. Um, so you founded Magdala Ministries, which is created to support women as they recover from addictions to pornography and to other sexual compulsions. Can you share a little bit more of your own personal story and why you founded the ministry?
1: Yeah, um, I was exposed to porn when I was 13 years old and then struggled with a subsequent addiction to porn for about five years after that. And I I entered recovery my sophomore year of college. Um, I just found that there were no resources out there to help women. I looked for them for myself as a teenager and as a young woman trying to recover and trying to heal. Um, And there's essentially nothing, especially from the Catholic standpoint, so i ended up starting a support group on my college campus um, with a friend of mine and it was successful and vibrant and really really beautiful and an incredible community and then i kind of let it lie for a couple years and pursued grad school and a couple other career things and then it just kind of came back up And I was encouraged to start a larger, more virtual platform that could give access to more women.
0: So, you know, that's so interesting because it's so easy. And I think most people, when they hear pornography addiction, they think about it being a men's problem. Yeah. Um, And so you don't often think about women struggling with the same addiction. How does the addiction to pornography differ in women as opposed to men?
1: Is there a difference? Uh, There is a difference. And this is something I'm continually researching just for my own interests and just professional development the things that men and women are attracted to in pornography tend to be different. Um, I think the excuse given for a long time was that men are visual, women are emotional or, you know, different things kind of putting us in those boxes. Right. And there's a lot of research that actually shows that men and women are visual for different reasons. Hmm. So what men and like women look for in pornography, um, it's both a visual, but for women it's more imaginative as well. So mm. like men look for just attractive actors and actresses right. in porn videos. And women look for videos where they can imagine themselves as one of the the people in the video, right? So we like to have spaces where we can be creative, imaginative, kind of fantasize. Um, so that's kind of what attracts more women. But then conversely, the healing looks really, really different too, which is cool. Men tend to be more um, like motivated, I guess. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of motivation, a lot of drive, a lot of like you know, you deserve better, women deserve better, go out and kick this, kind of this like appealing to that masculine strength. Right. Whereas women heal uh, really beautifully alongside one another. There's like a deep relational healing that happens when women come together for this mm-hmm. issue. And I found it's actually the only way they can really experience deep healing is in communion with one another.
0: Yeah, that's you know, that's fascinating. But you know, you in your Edify video, what I also found super interesting was that you compared pornography to other se- sorts of addictions like alcohol and like drugs. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a really interesting component to it because I think some people would say that sexual addiction isn't a real addiction. <laughs> what, would you, what would you say?
1: Yeah, it's funny, it's an ongoing debate in the psych world. Um, there's been a lot of debate about whether or not the DSM, um, kind of the directory of, of mental disorders will include sexual addiction as a real addiction. Um, I don't think we should wait on the on the DSM or the DSM five currently to include it in order to count it. Um, because when you look at the just the neurological response to different, you know, drugs, alcohol, pornography, even things like sugar and you know, okay. caffeine and social media can come into those addictions as well. but um, it's about the dopamine release, right? Like, what are we getting from the content we're taking in, whether that's a substance or a behavior, right? Um, because there's a saying in the neurological or neuroscience world, you know, what fires together, wires together, and so pornography does cause those firings almost to the mm-hmm. same extent that alcohol and drugs do in some cases. So it does rewire your brain the same way other addictions do. So to count it out, uh, gambling is kind of similar. Those mm-hmm. are those are really
0: so behavior based. Yeah, behavior based opposed to chemical based or
1: exactly. So it creates, it creates similar damage in the sense that it's that what fires together wires together. Right.
0: Well, so that's, you know, uh, I think becoming even more well-established, um, within the psychiatric and psychological world, Mm -hmm. but you also have a spiritual component to your work. Yeah. So talk, talk about how bringing the spiritual component of addiction recovery into Magdalene Ministries, how, how that impacts how you, how you heal from this kind of addiction.
1: Yeah, because we're primarily pastoral. So since none of us are clin- like clinical therapists, clinicians of any kind, we're we're primarily pastoral. Um, yeah, I think there's a tendency in the church to want to pray our addictions away. Mm. Right? We can pray this away. We can pray our problems away. Right. Um, and it's it's not that like you can pray things away, but you can't get them to go away without praying. You know? Um, so I think bringing in the spiritual element is more about like recognizing kind of as the 12-step model says, like, there is a God and He wants to help you. Right. You have to commit to doing these things yourself, and it's going to be a long road. It's not an instant fix, but there is a God who loves you, who wants to help and mm-hmm. can help you, right. is powerful enough to help you. Um, And without that surrender to Him, you really can't recover. I think it's more people expect that surrender to be the end-all be-all, if right. that makes sense. So, right. You have to have that balance of the practical and the spiritual, but right. yeah, you can't you can't recover without the grace of God. It's mm-hmm. um, just as you can't kick any habitual sin right. without
0: the grace of God. So pray as if everything depends on God, but work as if everything depends on you. Yeah, essentially so they go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so let's talk about now that we're onto the spiritual component. So you know, in the in the church, I would say the Christian church mm-hmm. largely, but the Catholic Church more specifically, there is sort of a purity culture, right? I mean, we yeah. we have purity rings and purity bracelets and. Um, and so you have people who are very well intentioned um, about keeping you know, what, what God has created to be pure, to keeping that pure. But um, sometimes we, we talk about virginity and idolize it in a way that I think particularly for young women mm-hmm. Yeah. impacts very negatively on the way they view human sexuality, you know, yeah. especially in, in its right-ordered way with, with your husband. Mm-hmm. So how can, how would you suggest that we would best discuss these topics in the church?
1: Ooh, I feel like I could rant for like 45 minutes on this. Um, I think the messaging that I grew up with just to kind of situate myself in the purity culture mindset for a second the messaging that I got about sexuality even from as you said very well intentioned good wonderful people Mm -hmm. was very much that men were given permission to mess up but women weren't if that makes sense so Mm -hmm. the the message a lot is men are visual men are really sexual, they're, they can't control their sex drives, you know, that they're going to watch porn, they're going to be tempted, you need to hold the line, you right. need to be the gatekeeper. It's the
0: woman who sets the standard, right? Exactly. That's what I remember being taught. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so when you're addicted to porn as a teenage girl, you're like, am I a standard setter? Like, what do I deserve exactly? Um, or if you're engaged in some sort of sexual compulsion and behavior, um, you feel deeply ashamed of yourself because it's like, who's going to keep me safe? Right. Who's the gatekeeper? Um, and I've found that with idolizing virginity specifically, the message that I got and that I heard, I've heard, you know, cycled through many times since um, is this is the most beautiful gift you can give your future husband. Mm -hmm. Right. And and when we first hear that, that sounds like it checks out. Um, But on deeper examination, we kind of really realize like how problematic that is, Mm -hmm. that a physical state of being is the greatest gift we give to this person who's vowed their life to us, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I think that message first when it comes to sexuality has to go, especially for women. Mm -hmm. I think the message needs to be like the greatest gift you give in a marriage or in a religious vocation or just anywhere is you. It's you. You're a human being with a soul. Um, that's the greatest gift you can give anyone. Mm -hmm. And so in a marriage you vow that and out of that you give the gift of your sexuality Mm -hmm. to your spouse. Um, I think that messaging also takes away the redemption of Christ mm-hmm. in the sense of like, do we, do we depend on this physical state of perfection or do we depend on Jesus? Um, and we're not taking into account the fact that sometimes it's sinners who have fallen the furthest who like rise the quickest and the right. fastest. And, you know, think of St. Augustine, right? right. Or St. Mary Magdalene, who right. is our patroness. Um, she became apostle to the apostles and one of the first witnesses of the resurrection, mm-hmm. but because she had fallen so far and then in turn received so much grace. Right. So when we're talking about sexuality, I think we have to come from that perspective first of, this is a place to be loved by God, no matter what you've done. And right. this is a place where deep healing and sanctity is possible. And that's not dependent on your perfection. That's dependent on your willingness to receive grace.
0: Well, what what part would you say that shows like Sex in the City played Mm. in the way women um view their sexuality and you know i i can't think that it didn't contribute in some way to the porn culture oh yeah um and also into sort of the hookup culture and, you know, sending women the message that this is the way really to live your life. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can, you know, as as the show's intro always says, have sex just like a man and have no consequences from it. And, you know, setting up this ridiculous standard um, and showing very little negative impact of that lifestyle. Exactly. Um, yeah. Do you do you feel that, that that particular show it really affected women in your age group and your cohort?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I believe so. And there are other shows after that uh, that I can think of, even like uh, the show New Girl. You know, mm-hmm. I watched that in high school, and looking back, I'm like, I don't think I should have watched this show yeah. in high school. You know, um, I think what shows like that do is, yeah, normalize objectification. Mm-hmm. So there's such a long history throughout so many different cultures. Um, Just thousands upon thousands of years of, you know, I guess, male sexuality dominating female sexuality, objectifying it, using it, not honoring it, Mm -hmm. um, suppressing it. There's a lot of suppression, too. Um, And then when the sexual revolution hit and when we had, you know, secular feminism kind of coming onto the scene, um, instead of calling men to a higher standard, which is what Alice von Hildebrand, the philosopher, kind of said was necessary at that time, but we didn't do... Instead, we believed the lie that our our liberation was going to come from welcoming our objectification, mm-hmm. and from um, instead of letting men be the perpetrators, instead let's just join in, and let's give the green light, and let's mm-hmm. initiate this ourselves instead of just calling everyone to a higher standard, which women have the capability to do. So I think shows like Sex in the City or Friends or even yeah New Girl, I can think of several others off the top of my head. Um, they They normalize that objectification. they show women welcoming it and joining in it or even initiating it yeah. as a form of empowerment and liberation instead of setting that new standard right. and I think that's I think that's what happened is it it didn't necessarily normalize hooking up because it's not like all of these young Catholic women wanted to imitate Carrie Bradshaw. It was right. more like um it it equated it with empowerment. And that's a that's a lie that's really yeah, easy to sell. I think that
0: that hits the nail on the yeah. head perfectly. Um, well, if you had one piece of advice to share with either men or women who are struggling with this, with pornography addiction, what would you tell them? Oof. What's your elevator speech for, you know?
1: <laughs> um, I'd say it's about the long game. Mm-hmm. I think in my own recovery and then in my ministry, what I've seen is just Sometimes when we're struggling with addiction, we get addicted to finding this perfect answer, this perfect cocktail or the silver bullet of healing. Um, One of my favorite quotes is from uh, a theologian who said, um, trust in the slow work of God above all. Mm. And I think that's what I would say is. It's about the long game. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And it takes time to heal. Because
0: um, your brain has to heal. Yeah. As you pointed out, your brain's changed. Yeah. And so it you need to kind time. of re- yeah. Yeah. get your, b- your brain back to the way it your was. Your spirit and
1: your body, right. all of it. Yeah, it takes time. And so just invest in the time and be patient with yourself. Yeah. Do your best. I mean, that's that's not to say make excuses for yourself. Right. Um, frequent the sacraments. The confessional is your friend, not your enemy. Nothing keeps you more accountable than the confessional, especially right. if you can go to the same priests. That That's right. huge. Or right. do face-to-face confession. That can be amazing. Um, but yeah, invest in the long-term. Don't try to find short-term fix in sobriety. It's about long-term intimacy with God.
0: Well then, so to just unpack that a little bit, what are some practical things that people who want to start this long journey, want to start this marathon, mm-hmm. what are uh, a couple of things that you would recommend that they start with? And what do they do if they want to Just begin this road to healing. Sure.
1: Um, The first is if you're not going to confession, go Mm -hmm. um, and go frequently. The second is uh, learn your triggers. Learn what emotions, circumstances, people, relationships trigger you and make Mm -hmm. you seek out porn or other sexual compulsions. Because um, once you know your triggers, you can learn to respond to them okay. um, and get people who will help you. Well, what are some common triggers, especially for Oof. women,
0: since that's what you, you normally do uh, speak on?
1: Women, I found the most common ones are stress and loneliness. Okay. Yeah, stress and loneliness are pretty huge. Boredom can be another one or like a certain curiosity. Um, also their menstrual cycle, women's menstrual mm-hmm. cycles are heavily tied to their sexual temptation. Mm-hmm. So for women, part of knowing triggers is tracking your cycle right. and learning about the, uh, mm-hmm. the effects on your hormones.
0: During your f- fertile period, am I am to assume that's when your, your, yeah. your, your, your,
1: yes.
0: your temptations it, may be greater.
1: Yeah. It can yeah. spike for a ton of women kind of unexplained in their minds, but it's very, it's, right. ve- it's a very easy explanation when you look at charts. Right. Um, but find people who can help you address those triggers in a healthy way, whether that's an accountability partner, a support group, a therapist. Right. Uh, nobody can get through by themselves. Right. Nobody can heal okay. long-term by themselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of almost like a 12-step model without yeah. calling it a 12-step model. So, yeah. Um, well, finally, you're expecting your first baby. And so how do you see your mission and what you're doing um, and your perspective? How has that changed since? Your daughter joined you.
1: Oof. Yeah, I think the fact that it is a little girl makes uh, an impact when, when I think about this. Um, I think I see uh, already, and I know I'm only going to taste this more and more and more as she enters the world, it's just how um, parents are in a position of a certain powerlessness, mm-hmm. like just doing the absolute best they can, right? right. Um, it gives me a lot of compassion for my own parents of they did the best they could raising me in the faith they're incredible people right and so I'm going to do the absolute best I can but what my parents gave me and what I want to give my daughter um, is safety Mm -hmm. and is uh, a mother who they know loves them no matter what they do Um, so I think I think that it's kind of given me that lens from a parent perspective but it's also (laughs) um, it's given me a lot of gentleness Mm -hmm. I think I'm able to see the women in Magdala from a much uh, more maternal standpoint, I guess mm-hmm. a standpoint of spiritual motherhood that I've been praying for mm-hmm. and that I've had in the past, but it's like each one who comes for help feels like another daughter. Like that's, wow. that's what it's feeling like, where I'm yeah. like, oh, like I just wanna love you and I want you to feel safe. Right. Um, so I think reflecting on on that and that, yes, I have my, I have my own biological daughter, thank right. God, but um, this woman who may be in her 30s or 40s or 50s who's coming to me for help, um, is somebody else's daughter, mm-hmm. and so I need to treat her that way. It's given me a tenderness, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, Rachel, thank you for your courage and sharing your testimony. First of all, I don't know many young women who would who would do the kind of thing that you're doing and doing it so publicly, but it's clearly helping so many people. Because I mean, that's one of Satan's greatest lies, right? That you're the only one. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. you're really- the only one who's got this problem. And boy, yeah. you know, so um, so thank you for giving. All sorts of women, I'm sure, young and old, um, the the example and the knowledge that they're not alone, mm, and I think that's you. the way the devil isolates us and, and tempts Absolutely. us further. Yeah. So, and thank you for helping us edify Catholics so that we can together edify America. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To make it easier for you to listen to future Edify podcast episodes, please make sure you subscribe over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you.